Independent yet all the same Left the labels but still following the rules Doing it their way Hey For what? We find ourselves in each other's way When all we gotta do is find a lane That's our own Cause there's enough creativity Hey, hey Cause I come from a dope man I say I come from a dope it is a different world with creatives on campus where we explore all things creatives, campus culture, and community. I am your host, Brittany T, and I am so excited today to be here with a special guest, um, Lisa Quattlebaum, who is the founder of the Homesteadista. Uh, Lisa, are you with us? I'm with you. Hi, good morning. Hi, good morning. And thank you so much for taking this time. Um, ever since we met and connected, I just really wanted to get you on our podcast to talk to our students and creatives and just our audience at general, because I think what you're doing um, and how you've kind of framed your business is really, really, really interesting. So welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Of course. And if you could, let's just get right into it. Um, if you could just share a little bit about yourself um, and, and about the home studies to like, just tell us what that is all about. Uh, sure. The home studies is a social impact nonprofit. We are media based. Um, but primarily what we do is we reimagine the leadership ecosystem within environmental justice movements to allow for marginalized women and girls to thrive uh, within that space. And that means um, creating opportunities, pathways, uh, spaces where they can actively participate as potential leaders, as entrepreneurs, as thought leaders, as change makers, and even as beneficiaries, and where they are positioned to collaborate with each other and even partner with potential allies. Um, but they're positioned in a way where they are leading that partnership, uh, as opposed to the traditional paradigm where uh, you know, outside folk, you know, the, 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 the big organizations who are going to sweep in and who are going to make everything right with environment, with space, with equity, you know, then service, I'm doing quotation marks here, my <laughs> service, like these marginalized communities. We've, we flipped that and we said, look, you know, there's a rich pool of talent and resources already within those communities let's tap into that and then let's drive, drive forward, you know, in making these changes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The, the site actually kind of began as a blog. Um, I, I'm a woman of color. I'm a single mom. I'm from Philadelphia originally. <laughs> and I was living in Asia. I've been there for um, a bit over a decade and wow. Um, yeah. And I was, I was trying to sort out uh, what green living was. And I, and I say that, you know, again, with my little quotation marks in the air, <laughs> um, because 
in the, that space, green living really meant um, having healthy food, um, having access to that, uh, having uh, uh, proper housing, affordable housing, transport, things like that, and having safe spaces. Um, when I decided to return to the States, I basically was really anticipating being in my home country and being able to dial that up a notch. So the home cities has started as a blog chronicling that journey. Once I got back here, which was in 2016, I quickly realized that not only was everyone and their mother's mother doing a wellness blog or sustainability blog, but that you know, it was being presented um, and positioned, you know, within this overall kind of movement as a lifestyle choice, as opposed to an exploration of creating equitable shared space. Uh, and so I quickly got over that. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, over the next couple of years, the, the blog would iterate into uh, a magazine where we dug deep into these issues and then eventually into a nonprofit where we decided to use media and specifically narrative, you know, to, um, to drive leadership um, pathways um, to kind of reimagine them completely. Wow. So, so when you talk about using media and I mean, you said so much, so there's so much to even, yeah, sorry, I got excited. <laughs> no, no, I love it. I love it. Um, when you talk about using media, are you using film? Are you using, are you using this magazine that you're referring to? Are you using that as the driving force to really bring, um, to bring these conversations forward? Um, what do you, how do you define your, what is your media take that you're, well, media, particularly in, in this context now, in society now, is very expansive. So, you know, mm -hmm. I, I grew up where media was pretty much magazines, newspapers, television, music, film. Gotcha. <laughs> and so I, I'm very rooted in, in those old traditions. And that's probably the only traditional thing about, <laughs> about my personality. Um, so... Mm -hmm. A magazine, um, the Home Cities as a magazine, is um, basically there to, to creatively, um, to uh, contemporarily um, express, communicate, share out uh, really of the moment important messaging, you know, issues. Oftentimes, uh, we say we're going to have these difficult conversations about food equity or about you know, uh, sexual harassment, et cetera. And they're put in these boxes of, okay, now we're going to talk about this. And so the magazine is a way of sharing that out. I won't say more casually, but without the, the stiffness that some of those other structured gatherings can, can kind of uh, uh, create. Ultimately, ultimately, we would love to explore doing a video series, um, a kind of mini documentaries where as part of our profiling, which we do in the magazine, we actually go into the spaces of the women and their communities and we, we allow them to really speak um, to the world about what they're doing and the story behind what they're doing. Um, and that's that's in the works. Um, another way that we're using media is, 
communication technology. Um, not so much social media, but, but just like apps, for instance, um, as a way to, to create community and to link up um, these different segments. Um, so we'll have the, the marginalized women change makers or entrepreneurs or uh, community organizers. They will be listed. If you can sort of imagine a, a modern green book, Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but virtually so and they'll be listed and people who are uh, subscribers who are interested in working with them or curious about products and services um, from particular people i.e. other you know marginalized women then they can access that directory and it also creates space for folk who are more allies you know who don't really fall in marginalized frameworks who are like, okay, I get it. And I want to be a support. Um, so it's, it's this virtual community where it's far more interactive and it's far more personal than just liking what someone said, you know, or emojis and things like that. Um, it's really communicative. Got you. I think it's really interesting. Like the more that I talk to people like yourself, the more I realize that, you know, this show is, is, is geared towards creatives, and I realize how interchangeable that word is. And so mm. the Homestead Easter, I'm looking at this description that you have, and even as you're talking, you know, you've, it's, it's written on your site. It's this enterprising woman, the feminist, the womanist, the humanist, the change maker, transforming the conditions. And, and to me, this sounds like the creative, right? This sounds yes. like a person who is multifaceted, but with the intent of really driving social change and really transforming community and transforming spaces and, and taking that traumatic life experience story or whatever and, and, and re uh, channeling it to do something transformative for not just themselves, as you say, not just for herself alone, uh, but for the people um, who are in direct influence and who are, are, you know, who they connect with. And so, mm -hmm. I really just think that is interesting. And, and tell me just why the home study still like, where did that whole coin, <laughs> that coining of, you know, of how you've framed your business and just this whole movement, where did that come from for you? Well, it, I, I love the idea of homesteading. Uh, I'm a city mouse for sure. Uh, but I do have an affinity for being out in the country, you know, getting my food from the land and, mm -hmm. and really being um, connected um, with, with space um, and how I use it and how I interact with people within it. Now, homesteading traditionally kind of, if you, if you look it up in the dictionary, it, some of the um, meanings are like colonialists or um, hmm. a pioneer. And if we think about, for instance, just, just the American history of, of folk going out, you know, into the land and across the West and pitching tent, you know, or making house and, and really um, having sovereignty over their life. Uh, it's very individual. You know, me and my clan, we're out there in the middle of nowhere and we're making our own food. We are, we've built our own house um, and we are uh, making our own money or doing what have you. The homesteadista 
is a little is a bit more saucy. You know, the host Anissa has a lot of that pioneering spirit of wanting to create something for herself and her family, but you know she has a a deep understanding. I don't know if it's just purely intuitive or it's just because of of the situations in which she's been in where she knows that it takes a village. Mm -hmm. So her take, her approach to sovereignty, her approach to um, being one with her space um, is to be more collaborative Mm. and to um, share and to make something from, from nothing as opposed to taking something from the land or from somebody else. Uh, and, and, and yet, you know, it's that innovative, that, that um, innovative spirit, that going against the tide spirit mm-hmm. uh, that really shaped, you know, the Home Sedisa name. Um, and also just kind of defining the type of change maker that we're talking about. Um, as opposed to somebody who is sitting, you know, in their armchair and they're looking out into the world saying, oh, that looks awful. That sucks. You know, mm-hmm. uh, what can I do about it? This is somebody who's in it, who, right. even if they're in it for a season, who is saying, oh, dear, not so much how can I get out of it, but how can I change this, this dynamic so that others don't have to experience it in the, in the way that I've been forced to or have had to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to I want to switch gears and I want to pull on something okay. that you just said um talking about being collaborative and sharing and sharing space. Um again, the content of this show we really are challenging um college experiences, uh the teaching and learning process and then even of course the extracurricular engagement, but more so more so the teaching and learning exchange. Um, Just from your own experiences within academia, um, how does your educational experience tie into the work that you're now doing? How has it empowered what you're doing? You know, how just the the power of knowledge and learning, um, how does that, how does that even connect? I, I think I may have had one of those unicorn uh, <laughs> educational experiences where I was in a very diverse setting. Um, it was uh, designed to be equitable, designed to be collaborative. Um, there was, I remember my, my high school, for instance, was like the head, the heart, and the hand. Uh, and that ethos w- was demonstrated in in practice um, that informed the kind of university that I would go to. I went to Sarah Lawrence and, and very liberal, very creative, very alternative, very socially minded. And that was, uh, that was normal for us uh, <laughs> to be in that space. Um, our, I remember the class uh, sizes were small. They were more like roundtable discussions as opposed to when I did um, a, special, uh, a special semester. Um, I was a special student at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, and it was 
like night and day. There were huge lectures. And mm-hmm. I remember being that one, one girl who was like raising her hand furiously in the philosophy you know, lecture, like, but, but, what, what, what? Mm-hmm. And being told like, you can't do that. You can't. Wow. And I'm like, what do you mean? I can't do that. I can't ask a question. Like we're in philosophy. That's the essence of philosophy is asking right. questions, you know? <laughs> um, and so I've been fortunate to, um, to have been in, in both camps, I guess, but to have an understanding of how I process mm-hmm. um, enough to know kind of which, which spaces to gear towards, and which ones to sort of stay away from. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, to basically knowing, knowing like the environments in which I, I thrive. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think that speaks to, um, just a level of self-awareness that working within academia, I, I, I really sometimes, let alone the 18, 19, 20 year olds who are coming into college, but even within adult learning, I, so, I sometimes challenge, you know, where are we with, with our own self-awareness as mm-hmm. it relates to anything. Um, and and so to, to know the spaces you thrive, to know where a university is a good fit for you versus not, and to use that information, I think, um, is really what our goal, one of our goals is, is really getting students to be more intentional and more thoughtful about not just going to university because it's the one they got accepted to, or not just going to a university because that's where their parents went and pledged alpha or whoever, you know, like, <laughs> But really making decisions intently because the, the, the environment, the culture, those things really do, you know, matter. <laughs> it, it, they do. And, and something you just said reminded me of, um, well, well, the self-awareness that students need to have, but also the self-awareness that educators need mm-hmm. to have. You know, the, the, the dynamic, the classroom dynamic, particularly in higher education, is such where the professor is the, you know, the beginning and the end, you know, is like the expert. And not only do you not challenge the expert, but your access to information goes through that portal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not always so. And I've found that, that with educators or, or even, uh, environments in general, um, learning environments in general, where they have been as curious about that, which they are teaching mm-hmm. the subject matter or the application of the subject matter that they've allowed students to be more more co-creators mm-hmm. of that unit or of that course or of the learning. And everyone has, has dialed up their understanding like, mm-hmm. like notches. Um, yes. And yeah, and that's, that's really amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it just makes it so much richer of an experience and the takeaways are, are, are beyond transferable, you know, they're just, they're, they're just rooted in, in, in who you are. Absolutely. That's, I mean, I think that's an exceptional point. Um, and I, I, I think you're right. Like the way culture is shifting and the way, um, even with this being such an information driven age, you know, like you talked about earlier, all these new points of access when it comes to media and information and social media and 
um, I don't think, you know, on the educator end, we have a choice but to really be more inclusive and collaborative with the way that we engage our students. Um, but even with that being said, while you were talking, I was thinking about um, a recent experience I've had at the doctoral level with a professor, um, and it was a quantitative statistics course. So, you know, God help maybe, you. <laughs> maybe, right, exactly. Maybe my expectations were like way overload, but I had went to the professor and like even during office hours and was trying to make some connections beyond like, you know, hey, this is what you need to know to pass the course, right? Mm-hmm. And and it was like, it was shut down almost. Like, you know, you're overthinking this. Wow. You're trying to understand this like conceptually and you don't need to. You just need to understand this to pass the class. And it was just like, in that moment, I felt like I was being stripped of my opportunity to really connect with the information that it would be mm-hmm. valuable beyond just passing the course and getting through it. And yeah. And so those types of experience still kind of, again, put me in this space of, you know, what are we doing with information and how are we, how are we empowering and giving students opportunities to really make it practical and applicable so that it's meaningful and not just another test passed to get through to that college degree at the end of the, at the, you know, which is the ultimate goal, I, I suppose, for some. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if, if you, <laughs> I was an educator uh, for a while and, and we would design, I would design my, my courses, you know, particularly assessments mm-hmm. with this backward by design method. You know, where do I want students to be in eight weeks? Mm-hmm. And then working back from there, what do they need to, to know? What kind of knowledge they need to obtain? What understanding of that knowledge they need to have? And what varied opportunities am I going to provide for them to apply, apply that knowledge? Um, and thus, you know, assessing them on all of those, those points. Um, and if you think about the end result beyond university um, is someone getting a job, somebody maybe managing, you know, a department, running a company. They're all these like boxes, these very, uh, that they tick, you know, I, I'm doing this, therefore I'm done. And the learning, uh, the end result doesn't include perpetual learning. It doesn't include critical thinking. It doesn't include um, constantly iterating uh, uh, your understanding or your product or your, uh, your service, your product activity, you know, it doesn't, it's like you've arrived on the mountain, on the top of the peak, and you just sit there and kind of go, oh, it's a nice view, and just hope you don't get knocked down. <laughs> um, right, whereas right. I, I think that the, what you're describing, the, the kind of space, um, the opportunities that you want to offer students, and you want uh, uh, academics to really embrace is that there is something beyond that box that they're going to tick and you know enlightenment enrichment and you know it's it's a lifelong pursuit and Mm -hmm. even if you're not constantly like going higher higher you know like you've got your multiple phds and your you know whatever but there's there's 
like you can go wide, you know, you can connect with, with folk on other mountains over there. You can, I'm visual, sorry. So I see all these mountains Mm -hmm. and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, We, you know, that's, I think maybe it's like a value that, that Mm -hmm. you and I perhaps have. And yeah. And so how do we, you know, how, how do we get others to buy into that value? And I think part of that may be in going back to your quantitative data class, you know, being able to say, not only here's the data, these people who follow this path are achieving in different, more varied ways, mm-hmm. you know, but also kind of saying, and what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And, and um, kind of qualitating the mm-hmm. quantitative yeah. data. Yeah, and and you know what it is for me, like bigger than it just being a, a personal value. Uh, again, going back to this quantitative statistics, I I'm I am in this discovery mode of information and culture, and um, I've been just looking at, uh, or I'll, I'll I'll frame it this way. So one of the things that our this creatives on pro creatives on campus program um, seeks to bring awareness to is the growing number of students who are empowered to use their personal stories as a vehicle for entrepreneurship and social movements. And so knowing that, knowing that there are more students and more young people who are empowered through culturally what's happening around, you know, what's going on around them, things that they're seeing on the news, things that they're seeing on social media, and then that access to social media to almost be their own creator their own curator of their own Mm -hmm. stories um it's empowering more than ever i mean i don't have the statistical data on it as of right now because even these conversations with collecting this type of data is new right right so so, but knowing that it is a trend and knowing that there are you know even in the blog world i think we talked about this when we met like there everybody has a blog right everybody has a a story. And so it's kind of how you differentiate yourself by really taking that magazine approach and what you're looking to communicate. But the point that I'm trying to make is that if we can see quantitatively, statistically, that this is the trend and this is the direction that has to, in some way, provoke us to challenge how we are engaging students with information, because it's no longer meaningful independently for them to get a job or to manage a future department because that's not their goal. Their goal may be to use that information to empower their own story and their Mm. own journey and their own experiences as a a vehicle for entrepreneurship and social movement. So I think that's for me is like, is the difference. And it's like, are we embracing to that new knowledge? Are we okay with students not wanting to go in corporate America because they're going to be a YouTuber or they're going to be <laughs> right. Whatever right. future occupations right. will continue to arise as we see technology continue to just grow. Right. Um, I think that's the thing for me that I'm just really, really intrigued by. Well, I think, um, I, I, I think you're so on, on the, the, the cusp of, a phenomenon that that you're like you're ahead of the curve you know but I think people will catch on to it in as deep of a way that you're presenting it because and what I mean by that is that you know 
for one, we have as as a culture, an American culture, for instance, um, mm-hmm. we have very narrow ideas of success. Mm-hmm. And those ideas are like the ones we just discussed. Like you go into corporate America or you become, you know, you get some kind of profession, you work for 40 years, you mm-hmm. save your retirement, you know, you go to Florida on holidays, you have X number of children, you know, a uh, house in the suburbs, 2,500 square feet, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And if you deviate from that, then, you know, you get a little bit of a side eye, <laughs> even yeah, from a folks. Lot, a lot of a side eye. Right, a lot of a side <laughs> eye, right? And, and sometimes even from folks who know that like that path is just not your authentic path, you know, mm-hmm. like, but they still kind of want you to be in that box because, mm-hmm. because they've also bought into the idea that that box is like the end all be all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And so for these kids, for these students, for these young people, to be able to to say, you know what, I think I'm gonna do a little differently, mm-hmm. uh, is should be applauded. You know, it takes tremendous courage, and not just like a one-off, like I'm gonna be rebellious and and right. you know whatever, but to have a plan, to have a, a commitment to to be able to really um, be married to seeing this idea come to fruition is, is remarkable, you know, and if those, if that kind of passion and, and resilience and um, entrepreneurship was placed in any other kind of framework, it would be celebrated. But because, you know, you're talking about creative, you're talking about like one story, alternative path, people kind of were like, huh, what, what? Mm-hmm. Now, going back to like the YouTube thing, I think that what just to differentiate, you know, what I hear you saying and what your program is offering is not just like, okay, kids, you know, you can just get a YouTube channel and monetize it and call it a day. You know, what you're proposing is again, like using media, using those everyday resources, mm-hmm. those equitable resources, you know, those resources that we all have access to, to a degree and leveraging that in a way to, to level the playing field mm-hmm. um, and to have um, outreach that, um, that, you know, you'd have to buy <laughs> or, or, or you'd have to be connected in some other capacity, like mm-hmm. so and so sorority or fraternity or whatever, in order to to um, capitalize on it. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think that's that's amazing. I see it actually as a great, you know, feeder into into the home sadista as an example mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. of people who are of like spaces where they are. I won't say creating market space, but they're creating incubation space, mm-hmm. um, collaboration space for for folks who are like, hmm, I'm interested in this social action, or I'm interested in in another pathway. Um, yep. So yeah, yeah, I, and I think that's kind of what drew me to to this whole home studies to. Um, I just in reading about like I like I said that whole 
blurb that you have, it really does a good job of breaking down what it's about. And there's so many connections for me. Um, And to your points, you know, Creators on Campus is really about giving students just the the exploration, Mm. um, like you said, like creating spaces for that exploration, creating spaces to pair that creativity and that creative mindset with education and having no predisposition about where that path will take them, but letting them go on their journey to, to see how that may even create, you know, a future niche in the, in the existing workforce mm-hmm. or which is not, doesn't exist or is it common or um, I'll, I'll just really briefly tell you for me, like my testimony of this is, you know, pairing my music, pairing um, song lyrics, um, just listening to music, forget even trying to do anything intentional with it. It was just being in this very reflective place, being in a place of creating music and listening to music and being in uh, this EDD program at the same time where we're talking about reflective practice, where we're talking about, uh, you know, how to transform information and, and to use it uh in a solution-based way and different things as I'm in this creative world, right? Let's say 50% of the time and in this educational world, the other 50% of the time, those two worlds colliding started giving me breakthroughs and thinking about this information differently and thinking about how the songs and the lyrics even connected and told a story that made the information all the more practical and applicable. Mm And so I think it's really just about creating the spaces where we cultivate and where we empower and are okay with students being into YouTube. And we, we create the space where we say, you know, get off your cell phone. Like, okay, well, no, there's a time for your cell phone. There's a time for it. And how can you not just be scrolling, 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 <laughs> like in a trance, right? <laughs> Like, you know, in the sunken place, but how, how, how can you be, you know, using those experiences for whatever the interest is and, and, and thinking about it in a new context that might relate back to the information that you're also learning in the classroom and, and not to make it again, not to make it so difficult, but just creating the spaces where it's okay mm-hmm. to explore and to engage these technologies and these creative mediums. Um, because I just think that there's something powerful that can happen when they collide intentionally. So I, I think you like really hit it on the nail. Um, uh, you're, what you're essentially saying is like, we need to stop siloing the mm-hmm. learning mm-hmm. and experiences and because they are interconnected and they're intersectional and, to really have like a holistic approach to teaching and learning and then to, and, and holistic, not just meaning um, like the whole person, Mm -hmm. but the actual experience of teaching and learning. Yeah. And processing that um, needs to be, you know, whole, you know, um, and and comprehensive. I, um, I was recently talking to somebody about the home Sadista and, and, you know, one of the, the hurdles of being a very media rich, media and narrative rich organization is that you have to be very mindful of 
the words that you use. You know, I'm wordsmithing myself, you know, like all the time. Yep. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm constantly looking at the content, you know, looking at, did I phrase that well, you know, and, mm -hmm. and yeah, and, and I'm not always there to be able to explain, you know, what I mean by, by such. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it's, it's that constant iteration of, well, this is what I meant. Is that how it was understood? And kind of seeing like, well, who gets it, who doesn't, and then what their story is and maybe that, how that informs their understanding. Anyway, I was speaking to someone recently about the home Sedisa and we use the frame environmental justice um, because what we're talking about is environment, like all space conditions and such. But most people um, uh, perceive that or understand that as being about urban sustainability. Mm -hmm. about you know like natural spaces and this this woman went on and on and on about about you know women and sustainability and smart cities and green cities and I was shaking my head going yeah yeah and then we <laughs> you know and she mm -hmm. kind of looked at me like what does domestic violence or sexual uh harassment in the workplace or on college campuses or or mm -hmm. what does um you know uh racial um, like microaggressions you know have to do with environmental justice and i said you know it's great that we care about the trees and the water and the animals you know saving the whales i said but what about the woman who has to walk through that park at night you know <laughs> because she's working some crazy shifts you know, an hour plus away from her, her home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, uh, or she has to take that, that train at the middle, in the middle of the night, putting her at risk for all kinds of crazy folk who may be on that train. Like, what about, what about her? And what about those spaces that she shares with the rest of the city, with the rest of the world? You know, what, I mean, Mm -hmm. and we're not just talking about the green grass. <laughs> and so, you know, part of it is, is, I mean, using media to really communicate, using it to like stretch understanding, mm -hmm. using, um, using it to show that interconnectedness uh, uh, in a way that's really powerful so that, so that actually that, that social impact can occur because if we continue to see it like, Oh, she's talking about, you know, clean water. Yeah. You leave it at that. Then like, that's like maybe a two hour conversation. But yeah. if we're talking about, Oh, she's talking about clean water and mm -hmm. gentrification and, you know, women who, and my thing is particularly with women, except women who are living in those redlined, you know, areas mm. because they've, you know, they've transitioned out of a, a, a homeless shelter, out of a, you know, abuse shelter or what have you. Um, like that's a, that's a much longer conversation. Yeah. And, um, and you get a better understanding Mm -hmm. of really all of, not all of the issues, but just what really needs to be addressed and the different ways that we can address it. 
Yeah. You know, so. And I think that word you use, we, we actually use the same word all over the place, the reimagining. It, that's really the key word is like just giving a new lens for and um, like you said, building that interconnectedness by just creating this lens that, that helps you to reimagine what you would perceive as just, you know, like a, a nature problem as being a, a, a people problem, a, a, a people of color problem, a, a marginalized person problem, like, uh, and, and just an economic problem, an economical uh, problem and right. a social problem and ha- whatever mm. else you want to call it. It's all of those things. So I love that. And I, I'm, I'm, this has been such a great conversation for me because uh, again, when we first met, I don't think we really even had these particular conversations at this length. Um, so this has just been so great to, to just see what you're doing with the Homestead Easter. Um, I love that you can pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been like, practicing. <laughs> Homestead Easter. <laughs> just imagine like a, a Latina, like homesteader, you know? <laughs> right. Right. You know, but I, I love it. I love it. I love it. And I'm just excited to see, you know, um, just how it continues to evolve. It's, to me, it's just, it's such a powerful thing. Um, and and I, again, I can just see so many parallels with it for, for the work that, some of the work that, um, that I'm doing and looking to do. And it's just always great when you meet somebody who has uh, just a great perspective to bring to culture and to transforming environments and whatever spaces they're trying to, to contribute to. So Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you, Brittany. I mean, and, and this conversation is in many ways like an example of the kinds of conversations, you know, this is like talking to, you know, actual like voice conversation as opposed to like an interactive or on um, or virtual one or, you know, whatever that, but, but the, the going deep and, and even in this, in this, conversation you know there are many opportunities that that kind of could come out of it um absolutely uh, and that's that's it's as easy as that <laughs> it really is it's not that complicated <laughs> absolutely and 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 this will be you know this is really my last real comment about about everything that you've said it, which is that to your your exact point there i've been i've been thinking about partnership frameworking and i've been thinking about it uh, for the purpose of my, my educational program, but also for the purpose of my business and like, um, how do we create these partnerships? And I really think it's so much more simple than we've made it. And it's really just having these organic conversations, having these, uh, these types of conversations, like you just said, that we, we, we share information and expertise and ideas and, and really realize that there is a lot of shared value and opportunities to collaborate and to support one another and, and actually follow up with those opportunities and not make it so like, sometimes in business things get so stiff. Like it's mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. give a business card and it's like, Oh, okay. Thanks. Great. For, you know, but there's no follow up. There's no, there's no true, anything that happens next, even if it is a potential opportunity. So I just appreciate this conversation because again, it just, for me, even makes me think about the whole partnership thing and 
knowing that it's as simple as starting a good conversation and, and, and seeing where the magic is uh, along the way. So thank you for that. Well, thank you for having me. You know, something I, I noticed mm-hmm. about our conversation, sorry, just, I just didn't want to yeah. leave this out, yeah. was that while we were talking about our independent, you know, individual projects, et cetera, at the root of it was the people we're going to serve. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, one of the obstacles in collaboration and partnership um, and maybe wow. it is that is competitive competition, you mm-hmm. know, um, and also a kind of what am I going to get a self-centeredness mm-hmm. that um, that to a degree one needs to have, I guess, you know, to to have that edge. But, you know, there's enough to go around. Mm-hmm. And again, we know we're cultivating that, that village mentality, that, that, mm-hmm. that space where, where um, yeah, that, that's it. <laughs> no, that's such a great point. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, just, you know, there's so much more that could be said, but I think we've said so much and I think it's all just been great. Um, just tell us what, where can we learn more about the home studies to, uh, where can we get, read the magazine, um, social media, just tell us how we can stay in touch. Uh, the Home Cityista is basically, you know, the Home uh, The magazine um, you can read. It comes out once a month, um, and it comes out sort of in in bulk, meaning like there are four to five main articles. Um, if you're if you're like me, you like to sit there for like a, a set period of time and read through all of them. That's great. If not, um, we do have a newsletter where we send out and we use uh, we have a Facebook page um, where we kind of just remind you of, of weekly of those articles so you can kind of read it um, on a weekly basis. 